Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing returning guest David Pepples to promote his new Kickstarter, the OZ issue number two. So before I start talking to David, I want to give a little bit of um, uh, history about David's work. Now, David has, um, has wrote Spencer and Locke, the limited series by Action, um, Action Labs. Um, both volumes, volume one and two, are now out in trade paperback. He's also written Going to the Chapel, a limited series by Action Lab as well, and that is also out in trade as well. Um, he has um, completed um, the um, miniseries from Aftershock Comics, the very popular Scout's Honor, and that trade will be out on September 8th. He's also written um, Grand Theft Astro, and correct me if I'm wrong, that was a Kickstarter? Uh, that's uh, soon, to, soon to be released. Um, oh, I, okay. Uh, I'm on sorry. that with, uh, with Top Cow, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, and then, um, and he's also written a short story called Die, 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 Danger Room. It's a short story from Nightmare Theater Horror, Horror Anthology. He's written Roxy Rewind for project big hype and that was a kickstarter that was done earlier this year now david correct me if i'm wrong you did a one-page story in the help um the hero initiative anthology kickstarter is that correct yeah yep was that called sos yeah okay all right no thank you and then um and his current um um he's also written of course his um previous um kickstarter the oz issue one of three and soon to be released um, compost and it's quote unquote a darkly comedic crime story coming soon. Yeah, uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to announce where that's going mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. Um, mm-hmm. We've just been sort of with with the pandemic, it's been a little bit of a holding pattern on when that will be released, but uh, it's uh, it's ready. So uh, we're we're very excited for that to come out. Okay, thank you. And then also now. Um, for listeners, if you guys are interested in some of David's work, like, for example, Spencer and Locke, um, The Trades, Volume 1 and 2, um, Going to the Chapel, The Trade, The OZ, Number 1. And if you're trying to look for all five issues of um, Scouts Honor, Number 1, that um, it's on his website, davidpepos.com. Yeah. Also, too, the, I, when I looked at your website, David, I saw that you had um, – couple of varying covers there is one like scouts honor number one an incentive cover and also yeah. um a limited edition cover as well too yes okay. uh, so we, we have all those available at the store and um yeah we'll, we'll have those up for a little bit longer um and then uh, eventually we will move everything over to trade uh which we're also very excited to start start getting in people's hands on september 8th now scott honor number one the incentive cover that i definitely have to pick up i saw the cover on that that looks amazing it's really, really fun cover. Um, you know, I, we, we had two really incredible variants, um, you know, uh, by Brett, Brent Schoonover and uh, Mon House, uh, mm-hmm. who I, I work with on all my projects. And uh, yeah, just really, you know, just two really incredible talents to go up alongside Andy Clark and Jose Villarubia, who did our, our all five of our main covers. And um, yeah, you know, I, I uh, couldn't be more grateful for the uh, mm-hmm. incredible artistic talent that I get to work with. Now I'm gonna um, now I'm, I'm I'll be honest I can't remember if I asked this question but did I miss anything? 
no, you, uh, you, you actually had a, an exhaustive look at all of my projects. Um, thank you for that. I, 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 you were telling, you were saying projects that sometimes I forgot I had written. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it's, um, we, we, we have a, a few more things that are sort of, you know, in the works that we haven't announced yet, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, everything that's out or, or announced and upcoming, uh, you, you've nailed it. And uh, yeah, we're just very excited uh, for people to see what else we have in the pipeline. Um, and then again, listeners, if you guys get a chance, check out Spencer and Locke volume one trade. I've read that. I love it. It's incredible. It really is. So yeah. So you guys, so listeners, check that out again. It's on davidpeples.com. Um, I'm going to continue on David. I'm going to say, um, now before we begin, I want to personally thank you, David, you know, uh, listeners, David had a hand in launching the Comics for Fun and Profit interview episodes. Now, you know, I've done a few short interviews with comic book creators at conventions over the last five years. You know, but David was was really our first guest on the show. Um, he saw Drew's pick, I believe, back in January of Scouts Honor Number One. He reached out to Drew over on Twitter to let us know that he was available to do an interview. You know, um, David, I am very grateful, you know, that, you know, I'm very grateful because, you know, you, you took a chance with me, you know, just thank you very much. Listen, I've been on, on the other side of the comics journalism table. I I, I know what a, what a, sometimes a challenging and thankless job it can be. And, you know, as a creator, I, I, I always, I always appreciate uh, when people take the time to, to talk about our work, Uh, especially interviewers like you who, who, who do your homework and, um, you know, uh, you really, you, you really dug in into everything I've, I've done so far. And so, uh, no, the pleasure's all mine. Uh, I'm glad I was able to start the bar low for, for the channel. And um, yeah, I, I'm excited to, to be back and catch up about the OZ. Oh, thank you very much. Um, for listeners, if you guys want to, you know, check out that very first interview I did, did with David, it's the uh, Comics for Fun and Profit, episode 609. Okay. Um, David, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, you know, it's a rare uh, overcast day here in Los Angeles. Uh, so everything from the neck up hurts. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a Kickstarter uh, going on. And so that, that's what gets me out of bed, mm-hmm. uh, besides my, my puppy waking me up at three in the morning. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super thrilled. Um, we're on day three right now of, uh, yes. of the Kickstarter campaign. And um, we are, uh, we're, we're uh, approaching uh, 600 backers at this point. Um, we're, we're, we're getting, uh, within spitting distance of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, looking at the, at the dashboard, that's, I'm trying to see what that kind of funding is. 372% funded right now. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a uh, huge, uh, mm-hmm. we're so thrilled. And, um, yeah, the fact that we have uh, 27 days left. Yeah. Uh, to... Really exciting. So, um, how exciting was it to, now correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Basically, you met your goal on the first day. Is that correct for this Kickstarter? In the first 40 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty incredible, pretty exciting. Um, you know, I, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I, you, you prepare for failure, but you hope for the best, mm-hmm. um, especially with these. Uh, you know, I knew we, we had a, a lot of readers on our last Kickstarter. Uh, we had uh, over 1,300 people join us for the OZ uh, last, last go round. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I was hopeful that we would get at least a decent number of them back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far we have, um, you know, we're, we're, like I said, we're approaching 
you know, we're, we're getting close to the halfway point of, of our readership from last time. It's just mm -hmm. in the first three days. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I'm curious to see how far we can take this, to be honest. I, uh, I, I did Kickstarter because I wanted to do outreach directly to readers. And I, you know, wanted to sort of build my own readership. You know, you've got the direct market Wednesday Warriors, but there are people who are on Kickstarter who will never step foot in a comic shop. Yes. And so I wanted to sort of figure out a way to sort of meet those readers where they're at. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, I've been just so blown away by the enthusiasm and how excited everybody's been about the series. And mm -hmm. um, I, I, I tell everybody, issue one was the quiet issue. Uh, now that we've sort of introduced mm -hmm. Dorothy Gale and, and, and figured out, you know, uh, what made what turned Oz into the occupied zone mm -hmm. now on the second issue we're really able to put pedal to the metal we're able to sort of explore new territories of the OZ mm -hmm. and we're able to introduce some really cool new characters that kind of complete Dorothy's uh, special forces mm -hmm. and um, yeah I just uh, I'm, I'm super thrilled and I can't wait for people to see uh, what we've been cooking over the last year so um before I continue on I want to say thank you David for you know a digital copy of the first issue of the OZ and some preview pages of the second issue, you know, so listeners, you know, this is, this is very incredible. It's a, it's, it's a very well, it, it, I love the story. That's all I can say right now. Um, before we continue on, David, I want to read um, at least one review from the first issue of the OZ. Now, uh, and it was um, one reviewer said, it's a clever twist on an old story, but more than that, a meditation on how deeply we carry trauma, we carry trauma the world inflicts on us. And that was by Mark Russell, the writer of Second, Second Coming. And if I remember correctly, he's writing, I think, Fantastic Four Life Story. Yeah. I know he's written the um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, updated version of Flintstones. Yeah. yeah. No, Mark is, is terrific. And I... I... I told him this when our last campaign came out is I, I consider him a real influence in my work mm -hmm. um, just because he's able to take these kind of childhood icons and, and do something more adult with them. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, his work on Snagglepuss really kind of, that really caught my eye in a big way. And, um, and I'm loving what he's doing with Fantastic Four Life Story. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, um, I consider him, uh, you know, a, a big influence. I, I consider uh, Tom King. Mm -hmm. uh, big influence, um, Tom Taylor, the other Tom, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's, a, and, and, and not to mention all sorts of writers, you know, dating all the way back, you know, Devin Grayson, Dan Slott, Jeff Johns, Rick Remender, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I just, um, I think that's the reason why I became a writer in the first place is it was sort of reading in, about these things wasn't enough to contain my excitement. Um, and so I feel like every work that I do in some capacity pays homage to the things that I really love about this industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, they say uh, imitation might be the sincerest form of flattery, but I, I would say that reinvention is the most satisfying form of fandom. Yes. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's really, um, it's just a, you know, a real privilege um, to be doing this job. I, I said this in an interview the other day, but, this isn't just my astronaut job. It's like I, I went into space and now I'm like taking up residence in the moon. You know, mm -hmm. it really is just um, just an incredible kind of surreal sort of job that I have. And, uh, you know, seeing things like the success of the OZ Kickstarter, mm -hmm. uh, it really, you, you know, sometimes I just got to pinch myself. Um, it feels sometimes too good to be true. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just uh, so grateful to all the fans and press and retailers and comics professionals who've all really rallied around us yes. uh, to make this book the, uh, such a success. Um, as we continue on, I'm going to ask you, um, David, um, can you, um, you know, um, you know, what is the premise of the OZ when you did the first kickstarted the OZ number one, you know, um, what's the premise of this story? Yeah, uh, the OZ is, uh, I like to describe it as uh, what if Mad Max took place in the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it follows Dorothy Gale's granddaughter, who's a disillusioned Iraq war veteran who finds herself stranded in the war-torn land of Oz. And as she discovers, when her grandmother killed two wicked witches and convinced the Wizard of Oz to leave, and then clicked her heels together three times and split, it caused a power vacuum not unlike Baghdad that's left Oz in decades of brutal civil war. Mm -hmm. And so now this new Dorothy is going to have to navigate her grandmother's former friends, the Tin Soldier, the Scarecrow, and the Prince of Lions, if she hopes to survive the horrors of the occupied zone, mm -hmm. or as the locals call it, the OZ. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, if you like the old guard, if you like um, DMZ, if you like fables, um, you're going to love the OZ. Mm -hmm. um, if you like the Wizard of Oz, if you like the Hurt Locker or American Sniper, you're going to love the OZ. Um, uh, you know, uh, even even high fantasy uh, like like Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. there's there's there are parallels there. Down to video games like Fallout and Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VII, we're drawing inspiration from a lot of cool places for this book. And um, I'm really just so thrilled with how it's turned out. I'm working with artist Ruben Rojas, uh, colorist Whitney Kogar from the Eisner Award-winning Giant Days, uh, letterer DC Hopkins, and mm -hmm. a, a real murderer's row of cover talent. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is certainly one of the most beautiful books I've ever had the privilege of working on. And yes. I really do believe that's inspired me uh, to, to deliver some of my best work. And then um, you mentioned your artist, um... Ruben Rojas. Uh, yeah. how, how did you team up with him? Um, you know, I, I found him years ago on Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. He was answering a call. Somebody, an editor had put up a call for artists. And I saw Ruben's pro, uh, portfolio and I was blown away that nobody was working with him. Um, so I immediately reached out and I said, Ruben, I really love your artwork and I want to I do a project with you. Mm -hmm. And I actually said, I have three projects ready to go. Mm -hmm. Pick. And so I'd given him, I'd given him access, I'd, I'd given him a Grand Theft Astro, an upcoming sci-fi book with a top cow. Uh, I'd given him another project that actually is surprisingly seeing a different kind of second life, uh, hopefully soon. And then um, the OZ. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know at the time, but Ruben's two favorite genres are low fantasy and post-apocalyptic storytelling. So he immediately was like, I want the OZ. That looks mm -hmm. terrific. And so... Um, yeah, you know, I've been working with him. You know, it's it's been a long time coming working on this. We've been working on this together for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's just because like I had projects coming up and Ruben had projects coming yeah. up, and, and then you know, the last year between our our, our previous Kickstarter and now, you know, there's a whole pandemic that's gone on. Ruben lives in Spain, which is like a big COVID hotspot, so there's been some COVID related production delays. Mm -hmm. I've had Scouts Honor come out for Aftershock earlier yes. this year. I, I didn't want the two books to cannibalize one another. Yes. So, um, I, I, but that said, I feel like having seen the pages and having been, you know, a professional comics critic for a long time, I, I, I know what like good pages look like. Mm -hmm. And um, I think readers are going to see it was worth the wait. Uh, we've really been, we haven't been skimping on anything. We've really been doing our homework. We've really been bringing our A game. And I mm -hmm. think that speaks to how strong 
this team is together. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really been a big feedback loop for our entire production mm-hmm. is that every time the members of the team see what somebody's done, it inspires the rest of us to bring our game. Um, it's just, it's a really, it's a really fun way of putting together a comic. And I think it's one that's really, um, it's really it, it induced us to deliver our best work. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to ask like your, for your colorist, um, Whitney Koger, yeah, DC Hopkins. How did how did how did you um, how did they come aboard on the project as well? So um, so so DC Hopkins, um, Dave Hopkins. He uh, we we had a mutual friend, um, Michael Mokio, who used to be an editor at Boom Studios, and now he's over at Universal. Um, Mike used to freelance for me when I was a comics journalist over at Newsmata, um, and so. Dave actually sought me out at Denver Comic-Con a few years ago. Um, I believe he's, he's local to that neck of the woods. And, um, we immediately hit it off. Uh, he is just, I think, the most gracious and just kind person in the industry I've ever met. And he's just <laughs> such, such a, a, a generous collaborator. And I, I, I've told him, like, I, I will work with you whenever, whenever you want. Um, mm-hmm. He's that terrific. And, um, you know, he's, he, he, he the letter is the guardrail to the story. You know, there's the, there's the, they say there's the movie you write, the movie you shoot, and the movie you edit. In mm-hmm. comics, it's the comic you write, the comic that's drawn, and the comic that's lettered. You know, the letter is kind of the thing that really, it locks the story mm-hmm. together, you know? And so sometimes it's, you know, having to pivot uh, for an art choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's realizing that you've overwritten something and that you either don't need a caption or the caption's just not landing, or it's way too long and you need to cut stuff. And um, Dave has always been so patient and generous and gracious uh, because I'm like, oh, I'm my own worst critic when it comes to my dialogue. So when I see it on a page, I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. I have to fix this. And he's Mm -hmm. really, he keeps us, he keeps this book on the tracks um, in a really, I think, beautiful way. And um, Whitney was the the final member of the team that we got on board. Mm -hmm. Um, I, that's usually the case with my books is usually the colorist is the last one to join um, because a colorist is your secret weapon. Um, I think a lot of people will, will agree when I say that art makes or breaks a comic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I think the thing that a lot of people don't realize is it, it's the colors that make or break the art. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty ruthless. You know, it's, it's very rare that the first person I talk to about a book winds up being the person on the book, you know? Um, because we do a lot of test pages and we sort of, you know, I, I do a lot of notes. Whitney just immediately hit the ground running. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, she, she was recommended to me by, by Michael Mokia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, she just, um, I can't say enough good things about Whitney Kogar. She, she adds such an energy and, and mood to every scene. Um, you know, Ruben knows his best angles, but Whitney knows Ruben's best shades. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, something that Whitney and I talked about a lot during the production of the book was, you know, what's the Mad Max version of Star Wars? Mm-hmm. You know, like just, you know, it's, it, it's still kind of, you know, uh, beat up and, and run down, but all these different areas have their own different sort of personality and temperature and location yes. and high concept and dangers to them. And that's something that Whitney is really keyed in uh, to in a really profound way. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, I've said, to, to every member of this team, you know, this is not going to be the last time we work together. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're just so good at their jobs. 
mm-hmm. that I would be an idiot not to ride those coattails for as long as I could. Mm-hmm. But going back, I'm because I'm trying to remember some of the pages. You know, when I was reading it, yeah. If I remember correctly, for issue number one, the the uh, colors that Whitney did the contrast to see uh, Dorothy Gale, the war veteran in her home life, if I remember correctly, that was kind of like, um, it, it was, it, you could see the colors in that. It, correct me if I'm wrong. But then when it, when you did the contrast to when she was in, you know, in, in Iraq, it was always kind of a brownish kind of color. It, and it, it, that's the contrast I kind of remember. It, am I wrong about that? <clears throat> well, you know, and some of that is, is specific to that particular issue. Okay. Um, because, uh, you know, the back half, of um of issue one was set in the deadly desert mm-hmm. uh, so so that, that a lot of the colors go there and you know i think the over the, the overlap was intentional you know mm-hmm. just say you know dorothy is served in iraq and in afghanistan and so putting her in uh, you know a firefight in the middle of the deadly desert that stirs up some things for her mm-hmm. uh, you know just from her time overseas and it's sort of this old war and this new war kind of colliding Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, for like when she first touches down in the OZ, it's these like dark oranges and it's just, you know, it's, yes. it's, it, it's flames everywhere. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's fun to see some of the different palettes we're able to throw in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll make them organic. Um, you know, especially the way that, um, Whitney uses greens and teals, especially. Mm-hmm. Yes, because even you know, yeah, we sort of have the desert colors uh, to, to evoke the Middle East, but also you know, yeah, yellow is sort of a power color in, in Oz, you know, the Elbert Road, but the Emerald City and and the magic therein is sort of taking a sickly, sinister tone, you know, um, and and so I think Whitney's been doing some really cool stuff with all that, and um, it's just really made uh, it's it, it's provided a lot of fun energy, yes, uh, for, for this whole series. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's right. Because in the Emerald City, in the, the movies, it's this nice, vibrant color. But in the comics, it's yeah, that's like just like how you described it. You know, it's a little, little bit of a sickly color to it. But yeah, but yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to ask, how much research did you do um, for the OZ? Like yeah. Like, how, did you read the book, the book series, all four yeah. books? I, excuse me. Uh, yeah, it's funny. You know, it's funny how much research I did for this series without knowing I was doing research for the series. Because it's a lot, it was drawn from a lot of stuff that I had picked up over the years. Uh-huh. So in college, I uh, took a class on adolescent literature. And I wrote a term paper uh, on the L. Frank Baum Oz novels and compared mm-hmm. that to the sort of mythology and continuity building that Stan and Jack did in Marvel in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And because that's what Baum was doing decades in advance. You know, he, mm-hmm. had, he had all these Oz novels and he was just kind of building up continuity and picking up steam along the way. Uh, whereas, you know, I, uh, in another life, I, I was a newspaper reporter, mm-hmm. um, you know, out of college. And one of the beats that I covered was the local military beat. Mm-hmm. And so I interviewed so many returning veterans Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially from Iraq and Afghanistan, and so mm-hmm. asking them, what was it like to reintegrate into American society? Especially, you know, this was, you know, the height of the recession. This mm-hmm. was already an economically depressed area. It was Berkshire County, Massachusetts, where it's sort of 
it's it's either uh, Northeast people's like vacation homes or like dire poverty, and and sometimes within a couple blocks of each other. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, you know, hearing about sort of their 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 stories of, of alienation, and you know what it's like to sort of go from being hyper aware to you know coming back to a society that's like a little chaotic, you know, um, but also sort of you know the the the, the firm structure of what it was like being over in the military to being here where it's kind of, you know, it's a free for all, you know, it's, it's the wild west. Yeah. Um, and the fact that like, it's hard not only to get, sort of get the support and resources you need, but it's also just kind of hard for people to empathize. You know, it's, it's, it's impossible to convey the feelings, uh, the exact feelings mm-hmm. if you're not over there, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, and for me, I was just trying to do my best to kind of channel all those interviews that I did. Mm-hmm. And when in doubt, the thing I always say is, you know, be compassionate, mm-hmm. you know, be as empathetic as you can be. Don't treat a character's traumas like a punchline, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that has, has really been a good guiding principle for my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is what's allowed us to enjoy so many people who actually have served or people who have had trauma and PTSD and traumatic brain injury to say like, Hey, this really means something to me. Um, and this really resonates with my experience and my story. That is honestly the best reviews we could ask for. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it just, it, it really encourages us to, you know, to, to just remind ourselves that when we treat our characters with respect, what we're really doing is treating the readers with respect. Yes. No, that that's very good. That really is. Um, you know, um, for listeners, again, if you guys get a chance, pick up the first issue of the OZ. Uh, because, you know, you see uh, what Dorothy Gill's going through. You know, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, now, um, so correct me if I'm wrong. So the OZ basically goes through, you know, how Dorothy Gale is trying to, you know, um, uh, find her way kind of like uh, at home again and then all of a sudden she's taken to Oz correct do you want to explain a little bit more about um, what um, what I'm asking is can you give our listeners what the um, first issue of the um, OZ is if you don't mind yeah so the first issue of the OZ um, you know we really we established our new Dorothy you know mm-hmm. as a dissolution Iraq war veteran and um and what happens when she, you know, a, a, a tornado sweeps through her, her small Kansas town mm-hmm. and drops her into the land of Oz. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy, you know, she's, she's taking care of her grandmother who's uh, suffering from dementia. Mm-hmm. And so she's been hearing stories about Munchkins and Yellow Brick Roads and, and Emerald Cities her whole life. Mm-hmm. And she's always just thought like, this is just grandma being crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, now Dorothy's realizing like grandma wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so our first issue is really sort of how does she grapple with that? And, mm-hmm. And um, sort of her answering the hero's call, you know, um, this, this, what happened to Oz really kind of, it evokes a lot of what Dorothy saw um, in her time in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And so she understandably, she's like, I don't have an Indy. I don't have another war in me. Mm -hmm. And yet the whole reason she did this in the first place was to help people. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of what kind of pulls her out of retirement, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, And, um, and so 
that's sort of where we pick up on issue two is um, you know, Dorothy has joined the resistance mm-hmm. and she's noticing that there, uh, in certain ways, there's a lot of overlap, you know, um, just the, sh- the, the, the sheer act of war, you mm-hmm. know, like that, that doesn't change, but the nature of the war is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in the middle East. She was one of many, there was a degree of anonymity mm-hmm. there. And, you know, Dorothy, while she might've had, you know, some leadership training with her specific, with, with her group, Mm-hmm. She was not calling any sort of major broad shots. You yes. know? She was, she was given orders and she, she would follow them out. And um, whereas in Oz, by virtue of who her grandmother was, Dorothy is kind of the closest thing they have to royalty. Everyone's looking to her for answers. She really is. She's not just a warrior, but she's a symbol. She's a real figurehead mm-hmm. of this resistance now. And so as a result, they've, you know, they've, they've gotten a little bold, you know, they're, they're eking out some victories mm-hmm. and, um, it's all going to come crashing down uh, because uh, the location of the all powerful silver slippers uh, has been found. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's not too much of a spoiler because we say it in our preview pages, but um, the scarecrow is sort of running the regime of mm-hmm. Oz right now. Mm-hmm. And he wants those silver slippers so he can invade our world to turn Oz into kind of a perpetual war machine. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's going to be a race to find what's kind of a, a magical weapon of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know Dorothy is going to have to turn to some unexpected sources of help mm-hmm. uh, for the, for this. And uh, yeah, you know that that's what's really so fun about the second issue is we get to introduce new characters like the Prince of Lions and Jack yes. Pumpkinhead, mm-hmm. and they really get to see how they play off of uh, the dynamic between uh, Dorothy and the Tin Soldier, which is really kind of the spine of the whole series. Mm-hmm. And then. Um... Now, um, talking about like um, the Tin Man, you know, um, the Scarecrow. Who came up with the um, the well, the look of the OZ and the design of the characters? How did? Yeah. You know? Well, you know, Ruben and I we talked a lot about that. Um, you know, uh, Ruben. I mean, he does not need a whole lot of handholding. I mean, I write character descriptions, you know, just to sort of say, here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But um, it is very much, it's sort of a, a back and forth. You know, I, I give Ruben some character descriptions. He gives me a first pass. Sometimes I say, you know, hey, could we make these little tweaks here and there? He does. And then as he's done that, I then kind of bring Whitney into the, into the mix. Mm-hmm. Say, How are we going to color this? And oftentimes she'll give me like a couple of options or she'll give me an option and I'll start playing around with it. Actually, you know what though? Some, t- some of those characters though, Ruben has actually already taken a coloring pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, sometimes I'll play around with it. Just, you know, do some alternate versions just to mm-hmm. see what color shade works the best. Uh, we did that with Jack Pumpkinhead, especially. I think we had three or four different costume color choices for him. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's a very collaborative thing. I mean, Ruben deserves all the credit. I mean, mm-hmm. he really kind of realizes these characters in such a, a profound way. I'm just kind of editing at that mm-hmm. point. Um, I think the biggest back and forth we had was also the shortest back and forth. Um, it was the Tin Man. Um, mm-hmm. The first the first pass that Ruben did, you know, he's kind of a guy in this big bulky armor. And mm-hmm. I, I, I said to him, you know, because it might have been a language thing. Like, I, I know English is not Ruben's first language. Mm-hmm. Um, I just said, hey... I don't want to do a guy in armor. I want the guy to be the armor. Mm-hmm. And I sent him, you know, some, some reference art. I sent him like the, 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 the power armor from fallout and, mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, you know, I, 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 and some other stuff. And 
Um, and Ruben just turned it around instantly. I mean, and that the, the first issue cover um, of the OZ, that was the first time that, that was the first character design of the Tin Man. And I immediately was like, you're hired. Mm-hmm. And I told him specifically, we had just done the first six pages of the book in the cover at that point. And I told him, I promise you, I will get this book made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, I, I said, like, you are hired. I will pay you out of pocket, mm-hmm. um, but I will make, this book will get made. Mm-hmm. So keep the faith and keep drawing. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just Ruben's designs are really fantastic. I think he's one of the most gifted world builders I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, he really adds so much to every setting and everything to all the characters. And he really just nails the emotional moments of yes. all of them. Um, and I think he, he really is um, just, you know, an artist's artist. And I'm, I'm so grateful and thrilled to work with him. Listeners, I have to say, you know, the, um, you know, Ruben's artwork on the Tin Man, that's incredible. I love it. You know, it's, it's big, it's bulky. It, it shows that he's been through a lot, you know. Yeah, that's what I, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Okay, um, I'm going to ask um, for, the, um, for, you know, this Kickstarter, um, can you go over any, any of the tier rewards? Yeah, uh, we've got, uh, you know, we're really trying to meet readers where they're at. And so we're offering tiers at every possible level of budget. Um, you know, if you throw in, um, you know, $10, um, you get the PDF EOZ. Mm-hmm. And uh, every tier, even the thank you tier at $5 where you don't get the OZ, you'll still get PDFs of Spencer and Locke, number one, and going to chapter number one, just as mm-hmm. like a thank you for, for supporting us. Um, you know, $10, you get the OZ. You get Spencer and Locke, you get going to the chapel. You get my scripts. You get uh, Ruben's raw inks and Whitney's uh, untouched colors. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just announced we're doing a digital comics extravaganza as a stretch goal. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to have, I, I think, at least 10 comics in the mix. So that's an extra 200 to 220 pages of, uh, of material mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for readers. And we've got some really cool stuff in the mix. Um, I can say, for, you know, we have Brenton Lingale's um, Snow White Zombie Apocalypse, number one, um, and Clay Adams' uh, Deadskins, number one. So if you like kind of the genre mashups, uh, you're really going to like those two books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got, if you missed our last campaign, we've got uh, digital ant print catch-up tiers. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of get up to speed. Um, we have, what else do we have? Um, if you are a collector, you know, we've got four variant covers. We've got a, a bundled set where you can get all four for the price of three. Um, or if you've missed our last campaign and are a diehard collector, we also have discounted um, bundled sets for all nine covers mm-hmm. for issues one and two that we've released so far. Um, as well as tiers that have all my trade paperbacks. If you haven't read any of the books, you want to get up to speed. Um, and then we've got some really cool, like kind of premier level tiers. We've got uh, Skype sessions with me. Mm-hmm. If you want, you know, if you want uh, one-on-one advice about your script or about what's it like to run a Kickstarter, how to do comics publicity, or how to navigate Hollywood, I can answer all of these questions or, or whatever the agenda is that you would like. Um, we have original commissions from artist Ruben Rojas. I think. We've already gone through, I think, two of them already. So I think we have three left. Wow. Um, uh, a chance to get drawn in the book. Uh, that's kind of a cool one, one, of, a, one of a kind cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for, for fans of my work, um, we have uh, we had some handcrafted Spencer and Locke plushies made uh, as a gift for my creative team in the book. We have a couple left over. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have uh, two left mm-hmm. that, uh, that we we're looking for a home. As well as, um, you know, anyone who read Scouts Honor, it's about a post-apocalyptic Boy Scout cult. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some very special limited edition uh, Ranger Scout merit badges for the book. 
And we had a couple of them out through retailers, but there are some that, you know, are exclusive to things like Comics Pro, mm -hmm. some that were exclusive to conventions, some that I think might even be Aftershock and Aftershock staff exclusive. So we are giving away three sets of all 14 mm -hmm. Rangers Merit badges up. You will not be able to get them outside of this Kickstarter. And I know already, already somebody has snapped up one of those sets on the first day. Um, so, the, so the, it is, it is, it is moving. Um, and yeah, like I said, we're trying to meet everybody at, at every level. Mm -hmm. And also we will have a backer kit store on the back end of the campaign. Okay. So if, you know, for example, you really, you know, you want to get the, 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 the next issue of the OZ and you're really curious about Spencer and Locke, or maybe you read Spencer and Locke and you want to get Spencer and Locke too. Mm -hmm. You can add any, any item individually to the mix on the back end. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll also have some really cool stretch goals in mind. Um, if you like, the, the, the stickers or the pins or the prints uh, or the theme song that we did last time. Mm -hmm. You may want to back and share the, the, the campaign mm -hmm. uh, because yeah, I've spent a year sort of, you know, we prepared for failure last Kickstarter and didn't prepare for success. And so it became a game of catch up of how to make the book, you know, more of a, even more of a value to draw in even more readers. Now we've been preparing for success. Mm -hmm. and so we've got some really, some really cool stuff planned and, uh, so yeah, keep hitting those those milestones and uh, you'll see some really cool stuff on the horizon. That sounds awesome, David. It really does. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to start slowly wrapping things up um, yeah. on the OZ um, number, issue number two. Um, I love one of your um, Easter eggs. Yeah. In issue number one, the X-Men Fastball Special. How did yeah. you come up with that? <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I mean, it was, it was exactly, I was just like, you know, could I, I'd love to write a fastball special someday. And so I, you know, anytime, that's really how I write is it, it's very much just about core impulse control is mm -hmm. that I'm just like, oh, that's a thing I'd love to do. Well, I have a creator own book. You can just do it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, the idea of having, you know, kind of a big bruiser like the Tin Man and they're fighting winged monkeys, like, yeah, like, of course you're going to chuck Dorothy at them. Yeah, um, and so yeah, that was a, that was a really fun moment, and uh, uh, yeah, I do that in all my books. Um, if there's ever something cool that I see, I'm like, well, yoink, I'm gonna use that somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it it makes it makes writing a lot more fun. Um, just for our listeners, I'm gonna explain because when I was reading through the first issue, all I see is Dorothy turning to Gail, going um, to Dorothy turning to the Tin Man and going, "Hey, how's your you know how's your throwing arm?" As soon as I, as soon as I, or something like that, as soon as I saw that, I'm going, fastball special. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, 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 that's, yeah, that's something I'm always going to do. Um, you know, it, it, I think you can't write comics without some degree of self-indulgence. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, so yeah, I indulge whenever I can, because I know I'm, I'm writing to fans and fans love this stuff and they love this stuff as much as I do. And so, yeah, why not throw in a fastball special? That's dope. And, and the thing, and the thing, uh, um, also too, what I really love about it was that it was um, one I didn't expect it. Two, it it felt natural. It you know, it, it was written. It, 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 um, hopefully, I'm describing this well. It it, it was a natural. You know, it just came out natural. Thank you. You know. So yeah, yeah just like a big kind of crescendo moment was yes. kind of what, we, what we were going for. Um, so yeah. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Okay. Um, um, if you have an estimate, when do you think issue number three, the f issue number three, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's the final issue. When do you think that might come out? 
sometime next year. Uh, okay. You know, we're 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 um, we're still wrapping up production on on part two, mm-hmm. uh, so that'll kind of determine some stuff. And of course, you know, look, uh, any other projects that come out, you know, or may come out between now and then, like that will also that may change the the the, the timetable a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's ultimately it, it really is always contingent on when do we have a good critical mass of pages? You know, mm-hmm. um, for me, it's it's do we have at least half of our pages done? Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever that whenever that takes place, mm-hmm. that's when we'll do it. Um, you know, Ruben's really hard at work on sort of the back half um, of, of the OZ number two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he he's just chiseling through um, through inks right now, mm-hmm. and pages that I've seen look just just stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's the cool thing about Kickstarters. I feel like readers are patient, you know, they, yes. they're not expecting a month to month rollout. Wow. And, uh, and that gives us time to really not cut corners and to really make sure that, uh, that Ruben and Whitney and, and Dave have the time and the resources to really knock it out of the park. And then, um, uh, sorry, this is an off the cuff question. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because if I read the Kickstarter for issue number two, it's a nice uh, it's a nice meaty book. It's 44 pages. Yeah. Uh, all, all three of our Kickstarters, uh, uh, we were planning on 44 pages of pop. Um, and actually we just announced, um, you know, uh, when the Kickstarter got funded, we are going to add in a little bit of extra, uh, uh, bonus content. Um, we're going to add in some, some cool artwork, uh, to the mix, uh, you know, and so we're, we're, we're hard at work on that now. Well, as soon as I have something I can show, uh, I'll be showing mm-hmm. them to all the backers. Um, because yeah, that's just as like a thank you for, you know, for, for, for having our backs and, um, and supporting the book. So yeah, I feel like, um, uh, yeah, we're trying to just make sure that people get enough bang for their buck, you know? And I feel like at this point, you know, I I would venture a guess that we're going to hit that digital comics, you know, extravaganza at minimum. Mm -hmm. And so that means that people are going to get, let's see, 88 pages just from me plus another 200 to 220 pages. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like, you know, upwards of 300 pages of content for $10. Yeah. You know, uh, $10 minimum. Like that's, that's a steal. Yes. Um, and, and uh, yeah, especially on a book that I think the production values are everybody's good as, as a big two book. Mm-hmm. Anything you can find in the direct market, I think the OZ can go toe to toe with it. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we know that there's like a higher price point because it's Kickstarter, you know, and it's coming straight from the, from the creators. Um, and uh, we want to make sure that readers feel like, you know, they're, they're, they're getting something beyond just pure investment mm-hmm. is that they're getting a, a lot of content for, for, for their time and money as well. That sounds great. David. Okay. So I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to scouts honor trade. That's coming out on September 8th. Um, I, you know, I know, a little while ago, you just gave a quick recap. Um, I'm going to ask, how were the sales on this series? And how was readers' reaction to Scout's Honor? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's the highest selling book I've ever done. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's by virtue of, you know, uh, Aftershock's the biggest platform I've had to date. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and working with them is, you know, really terrific. And having like a full staff and infrastructure to like help promote and sell the book is, mm-hmm. is really helpful. Um, and I think it, it, it is a... I think it was one of the best reviewed books I've ever worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 uh, I want to say it's like the, the, the second highest rated indie book and in combo roundup right now um, for the year. Um, I guess I'll boot that up, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, people seem to really enjoy 
what we were doing for that series. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, at the same time, nobody's more surprised than me ever when a, a series of mine does well, um, because I write it and I'm, I'm going out on a limb, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you never know if people are going to connect with it or if, you know, it's going to be a big fat swing and a miss. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully, people really seem to vibe with what we we're talking about. And I think it's because a lot of it was so personal. A lot of it was so autobiographical in a way. Um, you know, I, I've described uh, I've described the uh, Scouts Honor as kind of like uh, the Hunger Games beats Mulan. Um, you know, it's about um, years after a nuclear war, a cult has emerged from the ashes and their Bible is an old Boy Scout manual. And so we follow a young initiate named Kit um, who has a, a, a secret that um, she's had to hide her identity as a woman in order to serve in this uh, sort of toxic masculine cult as a ranger scout. And what happens to Kit when she discovers her entire way of life was built on a lie. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it really, um, I grew up uh, in a particularly conservative upbringing um, in, in, in the Midwest in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a Jewish home. Mm-hmm. And um, when I left home, it wasn't until I left home that I realized that like, a lot of stuff that I had been sort of programmed to believe that had been told was gospel was not, didn't really line up to reality. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sort of my own political and spiritual reawakening, you know, sort of my, my you know, reclaiming my identity as a Jewish person and, and that, that journey, which is very different than my parents, which is very different than that of their parents, um, to sort of also kind of embracing my own liberalism and mm-hmm. progressivism. Um, it was really disorienting mm-hmm. at the time. Kind of having, you have your inherent values and those don't change, but realizing like, oh, all these other kind of things, you know, it doesn't line up with reality. Mm-hmm. And so that was Kit's story in a big way is sort of, what are the things that you view to be positive that you you, you want to keep? And what are the things that are too toxic to remain? Yeah. And what do you replace that with? And um, I think people really, you know, it's a, it, it's a story that deals a lot with religion and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, spirituality mm-hmm. and gender and mm-hmm. sexuality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Kit's story certainly has echoes of the trans experience, you know, of having, mm-hmm. you know, she binds her chest, you know, she has to, she has to, to, to pass um, mm-hmm. as, 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 as male um, to sort of be her truest self mm-hmm. as a ranger scout. And meanwhile, her, um, you know, her sort of rival in this, Des, he's gay. He's the closeted mm-hmm. son of the cult leader. Mm-hmm. And what's that like, you know? Um, and, and just, it was a story about, you know, people who can't, be their authentic selves because of, of society and how do they navigate society and how do they navigate who they are as a result. Mm-hmm. And um, I think people seem to really get what we were going for with that book. Yes. Um, I'm very grateful for that. And um, yeah, so I'm very excited to have that trade in my hands. Uh, nobody is more excited uh, than I am. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm counting down the days till September 8th uh, when it's available anywhere comics are sold. All right, for listeners, sorry, I'm going to throw, I'm, I didn't write this down for you, David, but I'm going to throw this in. So again, listeners, if you are interested in picking up Scouts Honor, the trade, it comes out on September 8th. They're very important. Then how, how can you remember that when it comes out? It's the 55th anniversary of Star Trek, the original. Oh, Star. <laughs> perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's fun. I mean, yeah, and you can tell your local comic shop. I mean, look, final order cutoff is like not really a thing when it comes to trades because mm-hmm. you can just order them whenever you want. Um, so the code for that is J U L for July two one one two four six. 
Um, so if your comic shop isn't carrying Scouts Honor, uh, you can nudge them and ask them to do so. Uh, you can also get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble Comixology, mm-hmm. uh, or at my website, davidpepos.com. That's right. Yes. Or you can get it uh, on the Kickstarter. Probably do that. That's probably better for everybody. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, slowly wrapping things up. Are you working on anything right now that you can talk about? Nothing I can talk about. All right. Uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, besides, I mean, there's Spencer and Lock 3, you know, I'm sort of slowly chiseling away at that. Um, you know, we're doing a Garfield themed serial killer is picking off the peanuts gang. So we're doing, a, there's a lot of homework involved in that. And we want to make sure we kind of stick the landing yes. uh, for our third and final uh, series for that. Um, and uh, Grand Theft Astro, my upcoming sci-fi book, that's that's been written for a bit. And we're just sort of getting our ducks in a row and on the art and side of things before we get a release date. And um yeah, and then beyond that, you know, I'm just working on some some big swings right now. Uh, nothing I can talk about uh, mm-hmm. just yet, uh, but hopefully I'll be able to talk about it more either later this year or early next year. Okay, all right. So now I'm going to go into the fun questions um, because the last time when we spoke, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Ruby, your your um, Ruby has been an addition to your family, correct? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, we, we had a Karen Terrier, Holly, who she passed just before everything shut down with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of a blessing in disguise, not having to sort of take a, a, a sick dog to radiation during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, shortly after our print copies of the OZ arrived for the last Kickstarter, uh, we picked uh, up our, our new puppy, Ruby, another Karen Terrier. She's my personal Toto. And uh, yeah, she's almost a year old. She'd be, uh, I, I think she's actually, I think, uh, she was, she marked 11 months old yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, she's a, she's a sweet kid. She's got that puppy energy. You know, she's a, she's a, a not the best uh, Kickstarter assistant, but uh, you know what she lacks uh, in polish, she makes up for an enthusiasm, which mm-hmm. uh, that, that says that's, that's the same thing about my writing. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, she's, she's such a sweetheart, even when she wakes me up at three in the morning. Um, you know, she's a daycare right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of helps burn her energy and keep her socialized. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, you know, she loves, you know, having two parents who work at home and uh, she just likes kind of sleeping on the couch, uh, you know, when, when I'm writing and, you know, when, when she senses that I need a, a play break, she, mm-hmm. she asks for it. Um, but no, she's a, she's a sweet kid and uh, we, we, we love having her. And if you follow my Twitter account, uh, you know, it's Peposty, last name, first initial, mm-hmm. uh, you, you'll see a pretty steady stream of Ruby content. Um, and uh, that's, that's, uh, that's how it should be. <laughs> um again so um listeners you know please follow david on twitter um you guys um because david um i think on monday when the kickstarter uh, started um he posted a quote unquote and i'm calling this a quote unquote kickstarter commercial with ruby <laughs> yes. that's very cute <laughs> yes uh you know i'm trying i'm trying to make sure that she uh she uh, she pulls her weight. She's not she's not pulling in the Instagram money like we were hoping. Um, so you know uh, whatever she can do to to, to help sell some books. Uh, you can't start them too young. Is, is my is my is my opinion there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know I, I'm hoping that Ruby's cuteness will uh, will, will will move a couple books because after all, uh, all that kibble uh, ain't cheap. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to ask. Do you want to promote any of your friends? kickstarters that's going to be starting soon like late august or september oh yeah um let's see what is going on boy um 
some Kickstarters that are going on right now. Oh, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm almost like uh, uh, on the spot that I, I, I'm like, oh, why am I blanking on, on the other Kickstarters going on? Let me just open up the Kickstarter page real quick and see what's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, there's Killtopia uh, by Dave Cook. Um, that's a, that's a, a super fun project that's also going on right now that uh, you should definitely check out. Um, uh, there's a Kickstarter called Three. Um, uh, that's going to be a really cool one when, by some sort of up and some, some new up and coming talent. Um, uh, let's see my friend, uh, Cam Kirkow, um, just, uh, he has a Kickstarter coming up soon, uh, called Gilgamesh Eternal. Uh, the cover art for that looks spectacular. Mm -hmm. Uh, So really, really you owe it to yourself to check that one out. And, um, yeah, let's see. I'm just seeing upcoming projects, seeing if there's anything else that I've missed. Um, I, you know, I'm going to kick myself for like not thinking of any others at the moment, but, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of cool stuff. And that's the great thing about Kickstarter is if you've worked hard enough to really kind of self-publish your own work, chances are it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would definitely, I'd wholeheartedly check out, actually, there is one more I want to give a shout out to uh, a book called, uh, uh, Aeneid, uh, the rule of nine. Uh, that looks super dope. Um, mm-hmm. sort of a spaghetti Western fantasy. Um, I'm very excited for that one to come out and, mm-hmm. and check it out. Um, uh, but yeah, there's, you know, all sorts of really cool stuff coming out. So definitely you really, you know, check out the upcoming projects on Kickstarter, check out what's going on right now mm-hmm. and back as much as you can. Cause I think, you know, there's some really talented creators on here that, uh, you should definitely, uh, you, you shouldn't miss. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, um, again, where can people, or where can, um, listeners follow you on social media? Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pepos D it's my last name, first initial, or David Pepos Comics on Facebook, or um, you can subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks at bit.ly slash pep news, mm-hmm. or um, visit my website, davidpepos.com. And then any last words to our listeners? Yeah, you know, I mean, look, Kickstarter, it's a community effort. Um, you know, every backer matters. It's not about the dollars to me. Um, it's about trying to get it, reach out to as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, if you're a fan of The Wizard of Oz, if you like Mad Max, um, if you like Lord of the Rings, check out the OZ. We've got a pretty generous uh, preview. We've got 22 pages of preview pages up right now. Uh, so it, it'll be good for you to kind of get a sense of what our book is about. And uh, yeah, share, tell your friends. Um, every backer matters. So uh, we, we'd love to have you as uh, Yellow Brick Road Warriors. So um, join us in the trenches of the OZ. All right. Thank you very much, David. And then so um, for listeners, um, I don't, I strongly encourage you guys to check out, you know, Scout's Honor, Spencer and Locke. I really strongly encourage you to, you know, um, to back, you know, the OZ, um, you know, because ever since I interviewed David and I, you know, and I've, and I've read some of his stuff, David, one of the things I love about your writing is your stories have, and, and it's, of course it's from the readers, you know, how we interpret things, but your stories have so much layers to it. Thank you. You know, it, you know, you know, because before we started the um, interview, I told you how much layers, you know, just the first volume of Spencer Locke had. And I was like that it, you know, I'm not going to spoil it for our listeners, but I encourage you guys to check it out. You Thank know, you. Um, also, we're just trying to take as many big swings as we can. And, um, you know, what all sort of interest, you know, not just diehard fans, but but new readers and also what will get me across the finish line. And, um, you know, I, I can't say we have a, a perfect process by any means. We're still kind of uh, f- 
feeling it out and having it evolve from, you know, from book to book. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been really, I've been really just so grateful to see the reaction to the books we've put out so far. And it, it gives me a lot of hope uh, from where we can go from here. Yeah. So, all right, David, um, you know, I wish you continued success for the, for, you know, for, you know, your current OZ Kickstarter. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it, the campaign ends on September 16th, correct? Uh, 15th. On yep, the 15th. 15th. Yep. September. Um, so yeah, tell all your friends, uh, because yeah, you know, um, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd love to have uh, everybody involved. Yeah. And then David Mahalo, you know, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. And then, um, I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. You know, Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And listeners, if you are new to um, Comics for Fun and Profit, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. Um, Brothers Kyle and Drew, they talk about spec picks on new releases. And Lastly, I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys, aloha.